Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Seaweed Brain. Today, we are going to be talking about Solangelo a little bit more. We're going to be talking about our predictions for the sun and the star. Stick around. It's going to be a wild time. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time for our final episode before the sun and the star drops. Everybody, what? What? We're recording this on April 14th, so just keep that in mind because I'm sure there's going to be more teasers and stuff. This is only teasers we've gotten as far as April 14th. Also, catch me trying to steal the book early from the bookstore I work at as soon as it arrives and not telling anybody. Will would hate that. (laughs) Will would not approve. (laughs) I'm Erica. I am joined today by my co-host, Carter. Hi. And we have two guests returning from last week. We've got Megs. Hi, Megs. Hello. From the Monstrous Woman podcast, as well as the upcoming Heartstopper podcast, as well as you've seen them on every single Percy Jackson podcast out there. And we have Bridget. Hi, Bridget. Hello, hello. From longtime Seaweed Brain listening fame. Okay. So today, we are here to finish talking about Solangelo and our predictions. I believe where we left off last week was, Carter, you were going to start talking about the voices Nico has been hearing in the Tower of Nero. Yes. Um, (laughs) um, I'm sorry. I've completely lost my train of thought about that. (laughs) It was a week ago. What were we saying about that? I think I was saying it would be interesting if the voices are... Oh my God, it was the Ruth Ozeki conversation. So, did you read the Book of Form and Emptiness? I have not read the Book of Form and Emptiness, but I have listened to Ruth Ozeki talk about this book a lot. This was my favorite book of 2021, everybody. Cannot recommend it highly enough. I was reading it when I visited you in Boston. Oh my God, you totally were. In October of 2021. Yes. Wow, that's right. And we did talk about this. And at the time, I also was like, oh my God, I've heard Ruth Ozeki talk so much about the Book of Form and Emptiness. Do you want to explain the Book of Form and Emptiness? Because I think that my rough understanding of this book is something that has been informing a lot the way that I wanted to take this conversation. Oh my God, that's such a good comparison. No, truly. If anybody hasn't heard of Ruth Ozeki, she is an incredible um, Japanese... I was going to say American, but is she Canadian? That is Canadian, I think. Canadian author who we first encountered in high school when we read Tale for the Time Being, which is like her second or third book. Um, She's had a long career both as a monk, a screenwriter, a film director. She's done all kinds of incredible things. And she's just like really, really cool and knowledgeable. And one of those people who just has like lived a wild life and lets that inform her storytelling. And The Book of Form and Emptiness came out in 2021. 
it is about a lot of things, mostly grief and this relationship between this mother and son who tragically lose their husband slash father. And the son starts hearing voices shortly after this accident. So there's a large conversation about what it means to be somebody who hears voices that other people don't. It's a very like generous and kind look into how difficult that experience is for him and how he goes about dealing with it. The book itself is a character in the book of form and emptiness, the book talks. So it's really cool. And if you've ever wanted to be a children's librarian, uh, you will cry when you read this book. <laughs> Were you going to say something, car about it? I feel like there are so many, I don't know, I guess there's the most straightforward way to approach the idea of Nico hearing voices and that being the impetus for the sun and the star, which is just that we know who the voice is and the voice is Bob. And we are going to go down and have a fairly straightforward quest to rescue Bob, where at some points there are introspective conversations where Nico reflects on past experiences with traumas that they will literally walk by in Tartarus because he was there before. And that was a bad experience for him. I'm saying all of that with a tone of voice that is making it sound like if that's what happens, I'm going to be disappointed, which is not true. If that is the book, we'll have a grand time. You know, I love a conversation after witnessing something that is connected to past trauma, we were just reflecting like, sure, delightful. I would eat that up. I do feel like there is a lot of room for something else here around more expansive ideas about mental states of being that are not common and are not normative and are not celebrated. I feel like specifically knowing that Mark is on board with this project I would be interested also in an exploration of that as something that definitely intersects with, you know, identities that are wrapped up in secrecy and experiences of childhood trauma and are things that put you in a social context where you're surrounded by people who do not share the same experience and your your path through the experience is very insular and individual. I feel like there's something about that set of combined solitudes and lenses that would be very cool to see Nico explore. And Tartar seems like a very interesting place to explore all of that. I agree. Going off of that and what we were saying last week about the nature of the relationship between Will and Nico, like the nature of this like healer, chronically ill, uh, emotionally damaged yeah. ship. I am really looking forward to assume we're getting a limited third person perspective or like a first person perspective from Will. I want to hear about his struggle trying not to fix Nico. And I want to hear about him accepting that he can't fix Nico and also like loving him in spite of, as well as because of the things that make him ill and like knowing that while the goal is for him to get better, like he has to love him in the process of him getting better, you know, and also like recognize it's not, you know, his responsibility. I'm looking forward to that, like seeing the complications of that dynamic play out. Yeah, I'm very interested in a conversation around mental illness with Nico. And I would rather it be drawn directly from his childhood experiences with grief. Because the thing about kids' brains is that they can't, properly cope with a loss that wasn't supposed to happen. And so the idea that he would have developed a like chronic mental illness as a direct consequence of that is like entirely true and accurate. And so I would be very interested in seeing him cope like that, especially because we know that 
Rick doesn't do the like weird, I hate to even bring this property up, but weird Harry Potter thing of saying like magic makes you not have quote unquote normal issues. Whereas, you know, all the demigods have ADHD and stuff. And that's sort of woven into the fabric. I would rather, if we're having conversations about the dangers of being a mentally ill person and the dangers of society knowing that you are a person who, for example, can hear voices, I would rather it not be like super connected to his demigod side. You know, I don't really want an aversion where like being a son of Hades makes you susceptible to A, B, or C. Like I, I'm not super interested in that, but I would be very interested in just the more human side of Nico having gone through something um, extraordinary and like his brain having developed in a way to cope with that, that makes his life now a little bit harder. Um, yeah. And I think Mark is a great person to take that on. I agree. We watch like all of the demigods like experience like horror after horror after nightmare and then for the most part be fine. Like there's like whispers of Percy and Annabeth being chronically ill after coming back upstairs to the real world. But like it's not really talked, it's not really developed upon. And certainly we don't hear or like, you know, like there's a gray streak at some point, but there's not this like experience of other characters in this universe being like i am traumatized i am i am not moving on like it is preventing me from doing xyz like nico is the only person we've ever seen experience that and depict it and be villainized for it too like people aren't sure why he is the way he is and it's like well why why isn't everyone like this because how are y'all fine like everybody is going through it yeah and that reminds me of a current conversation that i feel like is happening where it it can be very distressing to be a mentally ill person and to feel as though your diagnoses are kind of piling up. And so this conversation where it's like, hey, if it's a everybody problem, if everybody you know needs therapy, if everybody you know needs medication, clearly it's not individual. Clearly we live in a dystopian society. And the demigods live in a dystopian society. Like as wonderful as Camp Half-Blood can be and as loving as they are to that place, like it is not normal for children to have to fight monsters. It is not normal for children to not have a stable education or families. It is not normal to be a medic or a you know, soldier at that age. The only character I can remember is, I believe his name is Chris. Who, when Chris he, Rodriguez. Yeah, he gets stuck in the labyrinth and he deals with like a bout of what they basically just call madness. And then Dionysus is who can help him. I would love a much more informed, human-leaning view of mental health. Wow, it would be so cool if we heard Nico be like, and this is what I'm doing with Dionysus, which is very similar to what he did with Chris Rodriguez or like blah, 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 and like kind of like loop that back together. Yeah. Well, we know that characters, plural, are coming out. And what if one of them is Dionysus and he is acting as a queer elder? Yeah. I mean, something that was like kind of rocking the Percy Jackson socials was when the Rainbow Crate announced they were doing the Sun and the Star with the special cover by Lesia. They also like tagged the kind of representation that was going to be in the book. And I believe it was like gay, um, bisexual, non-binary, um, as well as like representations of like PTSD and depression and a few other things. So either someone's coming out as non-binary or we're meeting a brand new non-binary character. I believe in non-binary Nico. So it, it would be fun to see what happens. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to it. So many possibilities for characters to get to know themselves more. There's a couple things I want to do. I want to hear about characters everybody wants to see make an appearance in The Sun and the Star. I also want to talk about the characters we know are appearing. Hypnos has been confirmed to be making a reappearance. 
in The Son of a Star. And there is a brand new character. Does anyone remember the name off the top of their head? I can pull it up on Reed Riordan. I know what you're talking about. I It's a tough one to pronounce. That's all I know. That's so true. We might as well not say the name. (laughs) Emphithemis. Go off. Tell us about them. Should I just read the article? Read like, it. I don't, it's really read short. It. Oh, okay. It's not that short. Amphithemis is a half satyr, half centaur who was cast down into Tartarus thousands of years ago and has been alone the whole time. The read Reardon description is a little, I don't know. It reads like all the posts do, which is like kind of like a cutesy blog post that could be in like a children's magazine, which makes sense because kind of that is like what read. Reardon is, but they're deliberately trying to not contextualize this person in this article in like the universe of the sun and the star. They're like, oh, here are some fun facts about this person in mythology who like has a good sense of smell type of thing. I think if we're picking up people along the way who have been stuck in Tartarus for a while, we could end up with like a roving gang of misfits, you know, who are- Wizard of Oz. Yeah, exactly. (gasps) That is another fun- potential plot device for what this book will look like if Nico's Dorothy and Will is Toto and they show up in Tartarus. really works. Each new person that they pick up in Tartarus who is like strange but also wonderful teaches them a new lesson. Yeah. I think this new character is potentially our non-binary character. Yeah. They're going to go off like this is the half centaur, half satyr of it all. And I don't know how much I love that. You're going to identify with the gender binary being a half satyr, half centaur that's been trapped in Tartarus for thousands of years? Unlikely. Would I be a half centaur, half satyr if given the option? 100% yes. Those hairy elbows, that would be so fun. I'd prefer non-binary, Nico, but we can't all have whatever we want. I'm going to love it regardless. Okay, they do use he, him pronouns for Amphithemis in the Reed Reardon article. Reed Reardon has been known to use the wrong pronouns for characters. Yeah, they have. Once again, offering my services if you guys want to pay. <laughs> Characters y'all want to see. Raina. I was going to say, we all want to see Raina. I'm sure we'd and all Hazel. love to see Hazel. Yeah. Those <laughs> are my two only big feelings. sisters. I actually don't care if Will's in this book so much, but I do deeply want to see Raina and Hazel. <laughs> Meg is like, Will may be on the cover. <laughs> But I still think this book is about Nico and Reyna. Certainly what we should have gotten. And like, I understand that we want Nico to have a good time for sure. I get that. And I'm very pro Nico having happiness. I'm more pro- queer romantic love is a good thing. Yes. But I'm even more pro Reyna having page time. (laughs) Bianca in a flashback would be great. (gasps) Flashbacks because you know what else was- Oh, wait, no. I'm getting everything conflated. Today we found out that there are going to be backstories in the TV show, yeah. not in The Son of the Star. I take it back. <laughs> There's too much happening. I mean, depiction of the PTSD certainly feels as though that will come in the form of flashbacks, at least largely. And Nico's, I think, number one trauma, even if he is kind of reliving his journey in Tartarus, is Bianca's death. Um, so I certainly would, l- I would like to get more of a um, view on their dynamic and see it from an almost objective perspective, like in a flashback, and then can sort of see what like baby Nico saw in his sister in that way versus just getting the trauma afterwards. I'd love to actually see the relationship. Obviously, we want to see small Bob the cat that may or may not be on one of the foreign covers. 
the non-US covers of the book has a little cat on it, which could be Small Bob or could be Bast. Hear me out. It could be Bast. Um, it's probably Small Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to hear you guys' votes for who the voices are or voice that are calling to Nico. Obviously, the easy answer is... Bob is low-hanging fruit. Himself is also low-hanging fruit because Disney already did that. I'm a candidate of himself, though, because I think that, like... With Bianca's death and, like, with that great trauma, like, pieces of Nico died. And, like, specifically, like, his childhood kind of innocence and joy. And so what if there's, like, this young form of Nico in Tartarus lost? It's, like, a form of him that died that's, like, calling out to him. I don't know. It could be crazy. But Mark also said that no one's guessed it yet. And I haven't seen that under any of the tweets. So maybe that's it. Oh, my God. Also, not to spoil things that happen in Into the Light, but a character having multiple versions of themselves that may or may not have to do with traumatic events would not be something Mark has not written about before. That would be a wild twist. I would love to hear that. Also, it makes total sense. Not only as a child, like pieces of him kind of getting lost to the underworld when like Bianca dies, when his mom dies, but also when he's trapped. Yeah, yes. Not to like, you know, sever the soul or anything like that, but I could see him kind of like, yeah. What did he have some kind of coping mechanism? Yeah. Or also like something happens to him when he shadow travels, you know, he like dissipates from like the material world. Yeah. And he goes less material than your average demigod at this point. Yeah. He goes ghost and he like dematerializes. So it would make sense if Tartarus and like the underworld were like pulling pieces of him every time he used his powers. Just like how what belongs to the sea will return to the sea. Mm. What belongs to the underworld. What belongs to the underworld. Ooh. Yeah, and we know Tar- I'm so excited. We know Tartarus has an agenda polls as well, and so yes. I do wonder if the He's fact sentient. that he was a son of Hades, his interactions with Tartarus could have looked different. You know, his dad is the person keeping Tartarus prisoner. I'm sure Tartarus would be very interested in having Nico as a prisoner. And I wonder, yeah, I think just in general, his experience in Tartarus was so different than Percy and Annabeth's. And I'm sure he had to do like really extreme things throughout. And so I could totally see that being the thing pulling him down there. I could also, though, see Nico having this experience with empathy where he just is aware that Bob is in a bad place and it's less Bob's literal voice in his head and it's more his own self wanting to rescue Bob, hearing from Percy that Bob is still alive but was trapped down there and knowing viscerally what that's like and not being able to kind of cope with. Because he knows Bob better than anybody. He is the reason that Bob was willing to help Percy. He has a prior relationship. Yes, he and has I a past relationship. That- And Nico has, you know, a thing with losing people. I can totally see um, Nico's own kind of conscious being the voice similar to what you were saying, Bridget, where he's like unwilling to leave somebody down there. Especially after he's lost, you know, whether or not he's close to Jason, experienced another loss, being like, I need to go back and like save the connections I have made. And he feels death constantly. What you said about Tartarus having an agenda made me think also about it could be so interesting to see Will in Tartarus as a healer, um, how being in Tartarus is going to affect him. I know that we're like, oh, he's the sunshine boy. He's the sun. He's going to have a hard time being underground. Naturally, he he already didn't want to necessarily be underground during the whole troglodyte section in Tower of Nero. But Tartarus is like regenerative. The monsters go there to reform. So there is some kind of like weird, like life-giving energy 
to Tartarus. It could be interesting to see if that like amplifies Will's powers as a healer or if like he can somehow, if we're going more towards the plot we've thought about of like Nico rallying a bunch of monsters to like create social reform in Tartarus yeah. or like, the underworld, like Will could have a hand in that by like advocating for like healthcare for monsters and like, you know, yeah. coming back to life and everything. Do you think that Will, I mean, wow, this is very fresh in my head. But I'm reminded of Nina Zenik. Do you yes. feel like it would make sense for Will Whoa. to go down into Tartarus and find out that, you know, healing actually, like, if you were to invert it. Yes. Like, like going to Tartarus inverts his powers. So then he has, like, also, like, a Nico and they can amplify and then they both have dead powers. That would be so cool. Dark Will. Yeah, Dark Will. I think Will. it makes sense like, that Dark Will will have that storyline because Nico is already there. <laughs> like, we, Nico's not going to get darker. Isn't he, though? <laughs> well, I think we might see, like, more what he's done already, more what he's willing to do, what he's already comfortable with. But I think for Will, it's going to be a very real experience for him of seeing the dark side of healing and how the monsters come back to life. I could totally see that like fucking with his head and with how he thinks of healing and his own powers and abilities and like holding life in your hands to a degree. And I also would very much like for this to be when Will develops more depth as a character and gets more comfortable with complicated things. And obviously Tartarus is a place to do that. And so I don't think he's exactly going to have the arc that Percy had, but I think it would be interesting for him to have like a more, um, like it just impacts his worldview a lot to see Nico in this very dark place and being like, oh, I still love this person, even as he is doing things that I was previously uncomfortable with. I'm seeing healing in a way that I would have been previously uncomfortable with. I'm seeing monsters as having more integrity and like personhood than I originally thought. And like, you know, becomes cool yeah i feel like we've come up with like so many different like possible strings for like what could go on in the book like we've got the wizard of oz we've got the social um organizing aspect we've got the frozen two aspect we've got the reared inverse of madness should we flesh out reared inverse of madness really quickly and what that would look like in this particular book do you want to flesh it out because i have no more thoughts head empty (laughs) at this point the idea is super open-ended what we know is that Rick has started to tease that there are going there is going to be an impending collaboration between at a minimum the Norse characters or like the the like whatever like Nordic mythology affiliated characters we've met and the Egyptian mythology affiliated characters that we've met. It's like not entirely apparent to me how that would work in this book. I think the case for the multiverse being introduced in this book is literally just timing that Rick is between projects. And if we were to start it, this is the right time for it to be both a surprise and also something that isn't kind of inter intervening into an existing project that already has its own inertia and like limitations and world that are kind of more clearly delineated. That said, I guess it would make sense that, you know, in Egyptian mythology, there is an idea that like chaos is the antithesis of what everyone's striving for, right? That chaos is the um, enemy of order and that all the magicians are trying to achieve order. And Tartarus is also meant to be a representation of chaos. Like, I I, I feel like there's a version of this where we could see that uh, because Tartarus is so overwhelming and vast and, I don't know, limitless in its entropy that we could imagine all of the different types of chaos manifesting there that like we might start to run into enemies that have been experienced in other pantheons here or that 
if chaos stirs, they might run into other people down there trying to fight against it, calling it a different name or something. Um, right. Because the worlds would, are kind of layered. That would, I guess, be the most like, change angle. Yeah. Like, primordial chaos extends through all different pantheons. And so, regardless of what they call it, they would all be fighting against chaos. And then, okay, I guess that's the last... Whoa, well, okay, we're we're connecting. Maybe we're connecting that's the last us. answer for who the voice is, is the voice is somebody from another pantheon. pantheon. <gasps> Guys, I have goosebumps. <laughs> I just got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. It could be people trying to like, yeah, reach out through some kind of like inter-demigod network, you know, trying to reach out. It could be Riley O, you know, trying to contact Will Solis and Nico from Grand Central Station. <laughs> I also think, oh my God, I just had an idea. Counterpoint. This is never going to happen in a million years. But, you know, like trying to gather to fight like the big primordial bad. That's basically what happened in Heroes of Olympus. How fun would it be? You know how we talked about how cool it would be if Percy and Annabeth actually sided with Gaia? And we just talked about like Dark Will, Dark Nico. Imagine Nico getting even darker and they get down to Tartarus and they encounter primordial chaos. And Nico thinks about all the awful shit he's oh been through, God. Oh all my of God. the things he's suffered, um, all of his trauma, and decides that instead of getting better, quote unquote, in the way that Dionysus would have him get better, in the way that Will would have him get better, he is going to become more chaotic. He is going to become more of a ghost king, more the prince of darkness, and he is going to side with chaos in almost a Luke Kronos relationship in order to bring darkness and like extend the reach of Tartarus into the rest of the underworld and the regular world. I feel like you're describing Kaz Brecker <laughs> with more power. I feel like you're describing the actual multiverse of madness, the film from 2023. Two. <laughs> there are no original ideas. <laughs> yeah. But Dark Nico could be very fun. It would Nihilism be fun, Nico. but like Multiverse of Madness was a bad movie. That That is the thing that I run up against is it's like, how do you, like, I'm not saying that there's no way to stick the landing, but is there a way to stick the landing and like, it's still a Disney Hyperion book and not that it has to be neat, but I don't think that we're going to see a version of this that is going to too deeply reevaluate Nico's past relationships and the moral judgments of characters. Yeah, that's that what I mean. Existed. That's never going to happen. Right. Like, that's the, I think, continuity. That's yeah. on the level of like Apollo having not become an Olympian again, which was also never going to happen. But would have been really fucking sick. Yeah. If you, in the imaginary world where it could, if Nico could experience sort of a journey through nihilism where it goes from like nothing matters to nothing matters. So everything matters. And <gasps> what is actually a very hopeful version of that ideology. Everything ever all at once. <laughs> yeah, wow, there you? really are only five movies. And we're just deciding which one this book is going to be. Um, it's either going to be the wizard of Oz, the multiverse of madness, frozen two or everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> wow. Some what of these are really good answers world? and some of them are not so good answers. Wow. Um, we really... <laughs> we really have only seen five movies is what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> but if Nico were to kind of almost reject the Greek pantheon in a way of just being like, you'd have no c real control over my life. I don't owe you anything. I'm going to choose what parts to take place in. And like the same with society of like, what getting better means and Nico choosing what that yeah. is for him versus what, yeah. like you said, Dionysus or Will might think and what like general adults view. Um, and that could extend to his sexuality. That could extend to his gender identity. I would love a journey through nihilism into a like reasonable and safe place for Nico. I think that would be so cool. Sucked 
into a bagel. Literally a journey through, like physically through nihilism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see the vision. And it could still be Wizard of Oz if it was a journey through nihilism. Yeah. I get called a nihilist a lot, so I'm always sort of here to defend it. And that is probably mostly where this is coming from. You look like you're formulating, Carter. Yeah. I'm compelled. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This has been really delightful. I'm so excited, guys. I was just sitting here and I kind of like blacked out from space and time for a moment because this is like such a specific and like niche conversation that we're having. And I just am so grateful to be having it with y'all. And for whoever is listening to this in the future, like we're all on such a weird wavelength and it's such a specific one. And I'm really glad that we're like all here together because I can't believe we would, we are talking about this. Like it's so cool to be talking about what our character Nico, who's like somebody who we have all known since we were like maybe eight years old, like where he's going next. I imagine this is what it feels like for people who are like really into comic books. I was never been a comic book person, but I feel like this must kind of be what that's like, right? To have like one character who you witness like throughout your life, like go on new adventures in like different ways and forms. It's really special. Yeah. I think there is something about this where it feels like specifically in this conversation, Like, in a sense, it is kind of like a fan fiction prompt that we've been given, but it is one that's, like, really detailed and very weighty, and we're all, like, it's the same prompt that we all have, you know? Um, And what a a beautiful space that is for us all to be in together, to just be imagining different, generative, wild futures that Nico could have and things that he could teach us. That space we're in together is really just primordial chaos. Yeah, and we should embrace it. Is what we decided. I feel like this is a really good place to end the conversation. Does anyone have <laughs> other thoughts? Anything they want, really want to get off their chest? We really didn't go that detail, detailed into like the teasers and stuff that were dropped because I'm sure there's going to be more that come out, you know, in between now and when the book is released. We didn't talk about like the map inside the book. We didn't talk about how there's like a hundred pages of blackness in the middle of the book that is probably a flashback. Of blackness? Wait, what? Yeah, there's like a bunch of like black-edged pages. Physically? Oh. I'm hoping that the flashback is Nico in Tartarus by himself. Because I just feel like Nico's like soul journey is just most interesting to me. Like selfishly, I want it to be. And I want to know what literally what happened when he was in Tartarus. We need to know. But I think it would be equally interesting. And I think more likely that it's more of Nico's back backstory where we didn't even know him yet. But I'm so excited to see what that flashback is. I literally almost shit my pants when I saw those blacked out pages. I was like, no way. I have to stay alive until May 2nd. Real. Valid. (laughs) All right. Honestly, could keep talking about this for four hours, but I do feel like we've reached like a really lovely place. Lots of ideas. I'm sure there will be more. Please, please tweet at us, DM us, send us voice messages of any other predictions you have, any thoughts, any thoughts and generative comments about the predictions we've made, even if the thought is hell no, let us know. (laughs) And our plan is to release our first episode talking about the sun and the star the night the book comes out about the first few chapters. So the next time we talk to y'all, it's going to be May 4th. And Carter will have attended the book tour and I will be one day away from attending the book tour. Um, So that'll be super fun. Megs, where can people find you on socials? People can find me generally on Instagram at mlpetersonwrites, where I mostly talk about books. People can also find my podcasts, either the Monstrous Woman podcast 
which is a feminist media critique podcast. Our next episode is Sky High, which Eric and Carter were there for and had a lot of fun. And then also the True Grammar Book Club podcast, which is a new Heartstopper podcast. And we have an episode out. Woohoo! Stream Megs everywhere. And Bridget, what about you? You can find me at Bridget Reed underscore on Instagram, where I have absolutely nothing to offer you. <laughs> Yay! Everyone, let us take a moment for our boy Nico going into this next era. Let's take a moment of gratitude for Mark Oshiro being there for us, for Nico. Thank you, Disney Hyperion. And I look forward to the next time we talk, um, probably crying on air. We'll see y'all then. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye. (laughs)